John 21, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And then, very typical of Peter, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. That is God's word for us this morning. This is the very last chapter of John. And as we read in that chapter, we can have in our minds the very first chapter of the book. That, That first chapter has the prologue, We call it the prologue. It's like an introduction. And it takes us back to the time before Jesus walked on this earth. And then the whole rest of the book is about Jesus' life and ministry on this earth. Well, chapter 21 gets God's people prepared for life after Jesus walked on the earth. So though the Gospel of John doesn't mention the ascension of Jesus, he certainly has in mind... Jesus leaving this earth soon. We looked at chapter 21 twice already in the last five, six weeks, and we saw how when Jesus reinstates Peter in the verses after ours, he gives them this specific calling as the era of the New Testament church begins. He says, feed my sheep. And that calling is ultimately a reminder about the importance of God's Word in the mission of the church because what else would we be nourished with than that, than this, the Word of God? And then the very last verses of chapter 21, we see Jesus' call to follow Him. And in that invitation, we saw how Jesus sets the course through his work of atonement, how we're called to follow, and that will include suffering for a believer. And we saw how we each have our unique spiritual journey. 
all of those things are preparation for God's people, preparation for living life after Jesus ascends, when he's no longer walking on the earth with us. The first 14 verses of the chapter describe this miraculous catch of fish. And what it does is it sets up some expectations for Jesus' disciples, some great expectations for us who are living between the ascension way back then and still waiting for the second coming. Some great expectations. First of all, Jesus expects us to get on with his work. Jesus expects us to get on with his work. So, in these first few verses, we see something that's been repeated many, many times in the history of the world. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And his buddies say, we'll go with you. Sounds good. A group of guys going fishing out on the lake. I'd love to tell a fish story right now about catching some bass, but I don't have any because I haven't gone fishing out yet this year. Hopefully very soon. And, and Sophia and Hannah uh, will be coming too. They're my fishing buddies these days. Maybe we'll teach Adriana this year too. It's going to be great. We'll go out on a little boat on a, on a lake where my parents live near Allegan, Michigan. But it's a little puzzling that the disciples are doing this. Back at the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry, he once stood very much like this. It's almost identical. He stood at the shore of a lake after Peter and, and the others couldn't catch anything. He told them to put out the net one more time and go back in Luke 5 and read the details. They put the net in once more and they caught a huge number of fish. And then Jesus says, from now on, you're going to catch men. You're going to catch people. And then those first disciples left their boats. They left everything they had and they followed Jesus. So it's, it's puzzling that they're back to their old activity when Jesus had called them to be fishers of men now. It's like they're a little confused. Jesus comes in and he basically repeats what he did earlier to say that calling continues. It's like he's saying, Come on now, guys. I paved the way. I accomplished salvation. I did the work of atonement that I and only I could do for you. But it doesn't mean that you're going to sit on your duffs. It's time for you to get to the work now. It's time to spread the good news about my death and resurrection, which saves sinners. It's time now to really be those fishers of men. Now, my read on this is not that Jesus is being harsh. I don't think that's how we see Jesus treating his loved ones. You know, it's more like he strolls out to the lake, he sees his disciples fishing, and he's like, hey guys, what's going on? I see you're on a little vacation. It's really nice you're taking a break and getting some fishing in and all, but... 
That's all this is, right, guys? Just a little break? You do know you've got work to do, right? You do know there's some real fish to catch. Remember the whole I will make you fishers of men thing? Let's go now. I'm going to build my church. You are my main guys. You're the core group. I've risen. I'm here for a bit, but then I'm ascending to heaven. I'm counting on you to lead things forward in my name. And Jesus comes to each generation of his disciples anew and says, remember the work that I've called you to. Remember the mission. As he puts it in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. New elders, new deacons, let's do this. Continuing elders and deacons, come on now, come on. Everybody, whether you've got a special title or office or not, Jesus says, you're a follower of mine, aren't you? You're responding to my invitation, follow me, right? Well, my work continues. There's a mission. There are people to reach. One another, our loved ones, those close to us, those far away, those nearby. We've got a church to build. I haven't returned yet, which means I've still got work for you to do. Jesus says to folks in the western suburbs, I, I get that summer's coming. Those lakes are calling. The fish are biting. There's a refreshing glass or two of lemonade calling your name. There are socks and Cubs games to watch and enjoy. We want to cheer those hawks into the finals. All right. We all need a little break, but remember my mission. And, and so we're called to keep things straight in our lives. God's people have a purpose and a calling. Jesus needs workers. And it's not just paid missionaries and, and church workers and preachers. That's everybody. Any break we need is to get rejuvenated for advancing God's kingdom in the church and wherever you're called day by day. The vacations aren't the end goal. God accomplishing his mission through his people, that's the end goal. And, and so Jesus comes to remind us to get on with his work today. Secondly, we can expect an amazing harvest as a result of this work. There will be incredible results, greater than we can imagine we get here this exact number of fish in the net, 153. They were large fish. It was a miraculous number, especially given that they had caught nothing previously. What's this about? What is Jesus showing his disciples? I think it's this, that the work will have results. Whatever the full number of God's people will be, the full number of the elect, the exact number will come in. The net of God's grace will not be torn. He'll gather all his children in. None of them will be lost, as Jesus said earlier in John. And though we're called to throw in the net, we're called to work. How again do these fish get there? Well, it's through the incredible power of the risen Lord Jesus. 
Peter and the others went out without the power of Jesus first, and they caught nothing. And I firmly believe that's how it will go in our work if we go in our strength, whether it's in our own lives, whether it's in the work of the church. Jesus conquered death and the grave. He stands on the shore, the all-powerful one, and he miraculously fills that net. That is the power of Jesus' resurrection. He brings dead people to life. He brings life where there was none. He saves people. And, and so the miracle of the fish in the net is the miracle of salvation, and it's the full gathering in of all God's children. Sometimes we can look at the work of God in this world, and, and sometimes our perspective is such that we get discouraged, and, and sometimes we feel not much is happening. Sometimes we wonder about the future of the church in our nation. But this miracle reminds us that the harvest will be great. Lots of fish in that net and big ones. The harvest may be much bigger than we imagine. We have great expectations because Jesus will accomplish his work. Jesus, it's like Jesus saying, just watch. Your jaw is going to be left hanging open. That saving grace of Jesus transforms lives, even your life. And he lifts you up from the ash heap of sin or disappointment or discouragement or that constant worry you got or sadness or addiction. The love of God can reach that person you've been praying for for 20 years. The hand of God can reach into the heart of a loved one so that he or she finally responds to those baptism promises. Expect Jesus to accomplish his work in his power. The harvest will be gathered in. The net of God's salvation will include many, and through the power of the risen Lord Jesus, God won't lose anyone that God wants. Another expectation, a last one this morning. We can finally expect that Jesus will be with us. We won't be left alone in all this. In Matthew 28, after giving the Great Commission, before ascending, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Throughout the Gospel of John, there have been, it's a characteristic of this gospel, actually, that he, he describes a number of sort of intimate and warm and, and cozy scenes and situations. Uh, the wedding reception at Cana, the conversation by the well with the Samaritan woman, all about the details of her life, that talk about Jesus, the good shepherd, and we, the sheep, Mary and Martha, who are so gently comforted after their brother died, that dinner party thanking Jesus for raising Lazarus, the washing of the disciples' feet, Mary in the garden after the resurrection, 
And this is one of those scenes, too. When the disciples got on shore, they saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. Can you almost smell the wood burning and feel the air on the water on a summer's day? So there's one thing that you'll find consistent about every single one of those cozy and intimate scenes in John. You know what's in all of them? The presence of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. Jesus is always there with the ones he loves. And Jesus was there waiting for his disciples at the lake in our text. He invites them to have breakfast. He took the bread. He gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And, and that, this meal, it, it brings to mind the sacrament of the Lord's Supper where Jesus took bread and gave it to them and the wine. So Jesus calls them to get on with his work. He gives them the promise of a great harvest. And then Jesus assures them that he will always be with them. Like he said back in John 9, when he calmed the storm and he was with his disciples, it is I. Do not be afraid. And that same promise is for all of us as we accomplish the daunting task of the mission of the church. That promise is for you in the storms of your life. It's in the challenges that we have as we live for Jesus, as we love others. He says in all of it, I am right there with you. I'm right here with you. On this Ascension Day Sunday, we're reminded that, that though Jesus went into heaven, yet he promises, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for us, but also... I will never leave you as orphans. Next week, we celebrate Pentecost and we learn of the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to be with us in a special way. And next week, we'll celebrate Lord's Supper. We'll be reminded and assured of, of Jesus' presence in a very special way there too. So we're standing, as I said at the beginning of the service, we're standing on the brink of a new church year. New elders, new deacons. This isn't just another year. We don't yawn as God's people and say, ho-hum. Jesus ascended into heaven. He says he's coming back again. And this year brings us one step closer to the fulfillment of God's plan. We're going forward in history, in his story. And as we look ahead as God's people at faith, you know what? We have great expectations. Jesus has great expectations of us, his followers, to be engaged in his work. And so I want to ask you, are you? Are you engaged in his work? How so? Do we need to step it up? Are we filling the needs of ministry here in this church? Are the prayers for our church being poured out? Are, are cheerful and generous gifts of tithes and offerings and time being given? If not, what's missing? What might be missing 
in your life. In the work, we can expect great results because Jesus brings his saving power and it's going to result in an amazing harvest. I just got to share a little thing. It's just, it's a little thing about one of the ministries in our church. A new men's Bible study started this past Friday morning at Faith. Half of the 12 guys there have been at Faith 18 months or less. Half of them. God's at work. People are connecting. People are coming eager to hear and grow in the word at faith. We're experiencing the harvest in our worship as we serve those in need. We're experiencing amongst our our children and students as as we care for each other in, in the hard times, as we live out God's word together, as we share the good news with those who need to hear. The, the harvest is happening in many places around the globe, and it's happening here at Faith CRC. And both for <clears throat> our church, for you and me personally, you can count on Jesus' presence always. <clears throat> you notice the disciples didn't even say anything as they fellowshiped with Jesus and ate. We read, they just knew it was the Lord. And, and, and when it comes down to it, nothing more needs to be said. We've got a job to do, a calling. God will gather his people in and bring the harvest. And he's with us, period. It's all going to work out. God's word tells us today that there is a life of great expectations for you, for your loved ones, for the church, for this church, in the power of our resurrected Lord Jesus. Amen.